welcome. Glad you're here. If uh, I missed you in the front end, my name is Jack, one of the pastors here, and it's an honor and a treat to have you here. And we started off kind of that last song we were singing about, Emmanuel, God with us. It's how we began this whole Christmas series, looking unto us, this gift that God has to give to us this year. And part of those gifts, in a lot of ways, we've been looking at this, is highly relational. That it's God with us. It's God for us. And tonight, I want to look at God through us. And what does that mean in, in the, our day and age, in, in our life, in our scope? How do we go about making our life count? And so, uh, to kind of get there, I want to talk about this idea of Christmas light. And I don't know, light is important. I don't know if you've ever been, like, in your house, like, just I'll admit a bonehead move. That, so this is my failure, okay? So like last Wednesday, I'm coming down to go to our e-group, and I didn't turn the lights on. And so I'm coming down the stairs, and it's dark, and I don't want to wake anybody up, and I missed the last step and fell right on my face. I wish I had had a flashlight. And I realized I had one in my pocket, that I could have just used if I would have turned it on. And then that's, I'm laying there on the ground and realizing, okay, I didn't break anything, and that would have been really dumb as I turned, you know, 44 this week, and it's like, uh, how do you explain that? And I just walked down the stairs. Anyone ever been in a house where your lights went out? In a very familiar place that you're aware of, you couldn't find your way around, you begin stubbing your toes, or we can turn the lights back on a little bit. Um, This idea, maybe you've been out camping before, too, and it's black out, right? And there's no light, and and what you want is a flashlight. What you want is light because there's something about light that changes scenarios and changes situations you're in, correct? That we all know that intrinsically. But tonight, I want to look at this idea of Christmas light. And really what it starts with is the original Christmas story. We, we talked last week, there's lots of stories go around at Christmas time, but when you want to anchor yourself to something solid, to something true, you go back to the original. And remember that announcement we looked at last week, that this is good news for all people, right? And this good news that's announced, you know where it gets announced? On the backside of a hill where there probably isn't a lot of light. At night, maybe just the starlight. That's lighting up the backside of this hill. And what we see is an angel shows up. And when that angel shows up, it lights up this whole area. And then soon this multitude of host of angels joins. And it's this incredible light throughout this whole scenario that these shepherds, people that would have been the leftovers or the non-essentials in society of that day, they're the first to hear this good news. Behold, I bring you good news that is for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. The Christmas story involves light. You think of the the three wise guys, right? The three wise men who take off from a foreign land and leave so much behind. They pack up a little bit, and all because they're pursuing what? A light, a new light that has appeared, and they're following this light. There's something about that light, and it leads them to Jesus. What's fascinating about the Christmas story is you start looking around and realizing how much light has to do with the Christmas story. How many of you have hung lights on dead trees? 
Yes, most of us, right? Something about Christmas. I mean, next week, potentially, if you go with us to Winter Haven, you're going to see lights. We all de- How many of you decorated your house with lights, right? So we've done something with light. You have participated in this Christmas ancient story about light, in so to speak. That there's something about it that has captured millennial. It's just all throughout the ages, light has been something special about it. And maybe uh, anyone ever have like have you had one of those ugly sweaters that lights up? That's cool if you have one. I'd love to borrow it. So light matters. It changes things. And I want you to kind of look at three scriptures with me tonight that really start uh, at the beginning and weave all the way through the scripture. And I want you to see the progression and kind of connect the dots with me a little bit on this idea of light and how it shows up and changes things. And to get it the first, I want to go all the way back to the beginning. So if you have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 1. So Genesis chapter 1, the very beginning, Okay. In this, now usually when we look into scripture, we know we're stepping into a story, and so I usually try to give you a little bit of context, a little backdrop, a little history of what's going on. Um, Here's what's going on. Nothing. Okay. Here's what's going on. God is, there's nothing else, okay? So here's what's happening in the very first verse. Let's just, I'll read this uh, together with you. Uh, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. At the very beginning, God spoke and said, let there be light. And there was. There wasn't before. God speaks, and something happened. 186,000 miles per second happened at that moment. Something changed forever. What's fascinating, when you begin to study a little bit, you begin to realize the, the magnitude and the impact of light in our universe. You think about the magnitude and the impact of just in that moment, God speaking out of nothing there became, which gives us a lot of hope. Because maybe you're here tonight, and uh, you've got a lot of pain in your past. In fact, if, if you were honest, it was just you and me sitting at Starbucks, and we could literally be honest with one another. That you'd say, man, my, my past is kind of littered. It's a littered landscape of pain in my past. And I don't know if there's hope for a brighter future. And I, I would simply mourn with you and comfort you, and I would remind you that I follow a God who speaks... And things change. That your pain doesn't have to be uh, your future story. That your pain can be healed. Maybe you have a loss in the backdrop of your life. A loss so severe that you don't know if you'll ever overcome that loss. Could be a loss of a job. Could be a loss of a child. Could be a loss of a a what-if, a dream that you wanted. And I just want to remind you. We follow a God who speaks and things happen. We follow the same God who can speak to any storm in your life and it instantly goes calm. Our God speaks and things change. And I think sometimes we can forget that. We can can miss that moment. Light 
God says, let there be light, and there is. I don't know uh, if you ever took astronomy in college. I took a morning astronomy class, which is dumb um, when you think about it. It fit in my schedule, but it's morning. And so anyone ever take morning classes in college? They're just dumb anyway. So because how many of you, like astronomy, think about it. We would go in there, then we would turn the lights off, and we would look at pictures of stars at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I slept through half the classes because that's just not a bad situation. I mean, bad, I mean, a good situation to be putting yourself in at 8 in the morning, right? And so I remember not a whole lot about that astronomy class, enough to pass, which was nice. I was going for that. Um, but the astronomy class, it, it kind of was formed because we didn't really get to go practice or see anything. We just saw slides and all that. And you think about all the discoveries in astronomy over the last 25, 30 years, right? Think about the difference. Think back to kind of Einstein and his time, and really a lot of the scientists at that time thought that the universe was static, that it was still, that it, things orbited and moved that way, but things weren't expanding. And then a guy named Edwin Hubble, right? launches this little thing called the satellite. Maybe you've heard of the Hubble telescope, this telescope that's out there. Have anyone seen pictures from that? It's amazing what they have been discovering over the last few years and realizing that our universe is not static. It's actually dynamic. It's expanding. And it's moving in discovery after discovery after discovery. And maybe what they're realizing, maybe what they won't say, but what seems to be if scientists can't agree on maybe the origin of things, but they can almost all agree on the fact that our universe is dynamic and moving. Almost like someone spoke and something happened, and it's never stopped. Interesting, right? Fascinating. That you begin to see about this light that God speaks, this idea of light is woven all throughout the scriptures. In fact, when the Gospel of John is written and the Apostle John is trying to put into words, remember we talked about the Christmas story is really captured in Matthew 1 and in Luke 1 and 2. John captures a little bit of the Christmas story, but he's trying to get his mind around it and he's kind of coming at it from a different way and he doesn't give you the who uh, and all the specifics of the story that's surrounding. What he actually gets to is he kind of harkens back to this Genesis 1 Language, And so this is the second passage to look at. So in John chapter 1, here's what it says. In the beginning, interesting, he kind of starts the same way, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was what? The light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So it's this fascinating truth that this light has been spoken, right? And it's been changing everything since the very beginning. Then John comes along and says, I want to put the story of Jesus into this narrative that people can understand. And in the beginning was the word. Not a word, the word. was the word. In the beginning was the word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. He's speaking of the Trinity, speaking of Jesus. And that through Jesus, all things have been made. Nothing has been uh, made that has been made that didn't first come through Jesus. And Jesus puts on this body. So it's like Jesus gets called here in the Gospel of John a little bit later, the light of the world. It's a, a term given to him. 
Jesus, you're the light of the world. And you've come that people may see God clearly. What is God like? Look at Jesus. How does God react? Look at Jesus. How does God think? Look at Jesus. That's what the Gospel of John is trying to drive home all throughout the whole entire text. You want to know what God is like? Look at the light of the world. This light that was spoken, this light that was, this light that is dynamic and moving, has a presence to it. And it's God. And God put on a body. And he came down here that we might know what he's really like. Jesus is the light of the world. So the story continues and begins to unfold. And then as you read throughout the gospel accounts, Jesus picks up on this notion of light. And he takes it even further. He begins pointing to something that's pretty dramatic. In fact, if you have your Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus takes this analogy of light, takes this story, this narrative that we begin seeing from the very beginning, and he takes it even deeper and even further. Here's what he says. Speaking about the Sermon on the Mount, here's a little backdrop. Jesus would have taught this sermon quite a bit as he traveled around into different villages, different towns, different uh, areas and regions of the world that he was in at that time. This would have been a sermon that he would have said uh, many times given. It's called the Sermon on the Mount, probably the most famous sermon Jesus has given. And we can dissect it, Matthew chapter 5 through 7, you can look at it. But in this particular text is where Jesus picks up with this idea of light. God spoke, light came to be, and it's like it's been going out from the very beginning and moving out. It's dynamic. Jesus, you're the light of the world. Jesus picks up on that and says, okay, let's take it even further. He says... To people gathered around him, here's what he says. You, you are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that men may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You are the light of the world. Of the world, Jesus says. So John's saying, Jesus, you're the light of the world. Jesus says, oh, as he's getting followers around him, then he begins to say, you're the light of the world. Do you notice this progression? All throughout the scriptures, this idea of God speaks, it's light. Jesus puts on a body, he comes down, he's light. And then he passes on to his followers, he says, you're light. You're the light of the world. I don't know if you've ever been uh, here. We have hills. We have mountains. Uh, If you've ever been in Texas, it's horrible. Um, But they have, like, mounds there. They don't count as hills. Um, But here, I remember driving on a skyline uh, often as a kid. And I remember overlooking the whole city and all the lights at night that we'd see in Tucson. And I've been here probably since the late 70s. So I've seen a lot of growth in Tucson. And here's what you know, is that anytime you're out in desolate places and there's a city on a hill, this is what Jesus is talking about, what captures your attention at night? Well, the city on a hill, right? No one lights a lamp. You all have lamps in your house, I'm assuming, right? You don't light a lamp and then throw a blanket over it, right? That's a fire hazard. Don't do that, okay? That's the tip of the night. Um, Don't do that. That's dumb. But... That light is supposed to give off something that helps the people that are around it navigate life better, right? That's the point of a house lamp. 
is to help you navigate better around your scenario and where you are in life. And Jesus comes along and says, okay, I'm the light of the world. Now I'm, I'm passing on in partnership with my followers. And he says to them, then, and he says to you and to me now, you are the light of the world. You're the light. And you are to shine. And you're to shine in such a way that people notice you and notice what you're up to. And as they see your good deeds, they notice your Father in heaven. That you shine through your good deeds to point toward your great God. That's the point. And the bottom line of tonight. That you shine through your good deeds to point toward your great God that you follow. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to live out as the church. Now, you may be here, and maybe you came with a guest, and you came with a friend, and you're like, wow, whoa, preacher dude. Um, I don't consider myself part of the church, and that's cool. That's fine. I'm glad that you're here. And I hope that maybe somewhere in here, something begins to click to know that God actually wants not only a relationship with you, that's the whole idea of God with us, God for us, but he actually, as he develops that relationship with you, He actually wants to have a partnership with you in this world and to make an impact and to make a difference here, to shine in such a way. Your life should not be hidden away where only you and a few selective few can see it. Your life is meant to be on display, to live as an example. You shine through your good deeds that then point to your great God. That's the point. Of the church. And when it comes to this idea of what we're to be as a church, we want to be a church that shines brightly in the city of Tucson. In fact, when we started, uh, coming up on almost a year ago as we started out on our own, um, we said we want to be a church that kind of brings the hope of Jesus to the heart of our city. We want to be a church that shines in such a way that people notice. Jesus says to his earliest followers, and he says to you and to me, you shine. Don't put a blanket over your life. Don't kind of hide away. Don't um, be a person that's reclusive in your way that you live. Now, you don't have to be an extrovert to shine, okay? For all you introverts, you should have a sigh of relief. Just shine where you are, okay? You don't have to be dramatic about it. Leave that to the extroverts, okay? They'll be dramatic about it. You just shine where you are, where you're planted. You shine in such a way through your good deeds that it points to your great God that you follow. I love the language of what is written here. Notice the choice of words for people who are living as light. Notice what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, uh, shine that they may see your good theology. He doesn't say that, does he? He doesn't say, you shine that they may see your right answers. doesn't say that, does he? You shine that they may see that you made a really good point on your side of the, of the, of the position that you're trying to take and the position you're trying to make. doesn't say that, does it? You shine through your good deeds and let that point to your great God. You live in such a way that it points people to the source of what's happening in you. Now, I've watched as you individually have done that. And I applaud you. I cheer for you. As you shine in such a way that you are 
able to put God's love on display around you through good deeds and individually things that you, that you do. I wanted to take a moment and just celebrate with you what we're doing as a church. So can we just kind of put on the rewind button a little bit and go back to what we've done? As a church, this is one of the things that, as a pastor here, just stirs my heart to go, I want to be about this more, that we shine our light in a way that makes a difference in the heart of our city. I think of the two schools that we've kind of, in a roundabout way, adopted. We've said, hey, Catalina High School, we want to make a difference here. And you think, remember, last Christmas... We, we do this every year. We give away 20% of what comes in in December. Last Christmas, remember the theater that's right behind me? The little theater had no seats. They had no budget, no money for seats. They weren't even using the building, barely. An aerobics class was in there. And we said, well, that's not right, that they wouldn't have chairs. And so we bought chairs, 150 chairs, for their theater that has no strings attached. It's theirs. It's theirs to keep. We ever move out. It's not about us. It's about blessing people, Right? And we said, we're going to do that. And you all did that. You came together and said, we're going to do that. We're going to help out. We did uh, some giving of uh, gift cards and things to help at-risk kids and youth on their own here that are a part of Catalina High School as incentives to stay in school and incentives to keep going and getting good grades and to keep working on that. We did for John B. Wright. We, we gave away hygiene kits where we got to go to every single classroom and give out. And literally, the principal walked us and said, these are our friends from Element City Church, and they have gifts for you. I mean, think about that. In a public school, we got to do that. And we got to give backpacks to every single kid. I talked to Christian just a couple of weeks ago, and, and I'm walking around the hallways, and I see your backpack walking around the hallway. And the backpack that you gave, walking around the hallway, there, because 430 backpacks were dropped off for this school in partnership with Emmanuel and with us. And just an amazing thing. We got to bless 30 families with full Thanksgiving meals just a couple weeks ago at John B. Wright. So these are just two schools that we've been able to work and partner with. We're getting ready to feed uh, the whole school of, of faculty here on Thursday. From Friday morning, we're dropping off Starbucks cards that you've been bringing to bless every teacher at John B. Wright Elementary, every faculty and every staff person. That's amazing that you guys are doing that. That's super cool. You think about the partnership with these schools and how we want to continue to have a local impact and to say these schools, these kids matter, and we want to do the best we can to help because we know that they need it. We know that uh, that can be of help. We know we've been doing some stuff with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and working with not just with students at U of A, but with students in the high school campus all around Tucson and in supporting Richard and supporting um, Chris and, and the impact that they're having. We were able to, to do some things. We just did pancake breakfast on Dead Day a couple days ago um, for 150 athletes at U of A and just feeding them pancakes and saying, Good luck in finals, because you need it. <laughs> you know, we've been helping out with Team Challenge. We got to, to go uh, not just to Desert Christian. A few uh, weeks ago, our worship team led worship over at Desert Christian, uh, where there was crowd surfing going on in the chapel at a local high school. Okay? That's never happened at Desert Christian, and the principal said, you need to come back here and lead us in worship again. With that night, we led worship at Teen Challenge, and just the impact that we're trying to have with some guys that are trying to break loose of some addictions that have haunted them, and we want to help them move forward in that. And the impact that you're having through your partnership here financially and through your giving of your time and of your talents, this is what you're doing. 
in our city. You're making an impact. Our kids, our teens got to go uh, a week and a half ago and pack, Trey, what was it, 1,200? 2,400 packages of diapers that are going to go to families all throughout our city through Arizona Baptist Children's Services. And so we had nine or ten of our students go and do that for an evening and just make a difference in those ways, serving in ways to shine God's light. And that's what we've been doing locally. And now we stand with an opportunity that I want to tell you about that we're doing with our Christmas offering this year. We're calling it Elements Loves Ecuador. Okay? Elements loves Ecuador, and here's the invitation that we get to have this Christmas uh, as we're giving away kind of that 20%, that 15 20% of what comes in through missions. What we're going to do is work with a Stadia church planting, which we are a Stadia church plant, and Compassion International, if you've ever heard of Compassion International and the child sponsorships that they do. So with Pantano Christian and with Revive and with... Um, Move City Church in Sierra Vista, kind of the church plants that have come out of Pantano. We are partnering together with them to plant a church in Playa, Ecuador, which is kind of the southern coastal region of Ecuador. And Pastor Mendoza, who is located down there, has planted a church and has actually planted four different churches that are working in partnership with Compassion to make a difference in a poverty-stricken area where about 70% of the whole entire community lives poverty level or below. The region in Playa, Ecuador, that we're going to plant and build this church slash uh, kind of conference center, community center. Um, what's going to happen there is you got about 60% of the population that's just in that region is 18 or less, 18 or under. So a high percentage. And what we're going to do is we're going to build this church and this community center that's going to become the hub of that community in a way that we're going to sponsor not only just building that building, and we're going to build through local contractors that are there. So we're putting people to work that are there. We're not bringing materials in. We're using what's there. And through Stadia, we're going to build that building, and we're going to sponsor next spring 200 kids that are in that region in that area. And so those 200 kids between the four churches are going to get adopted and you get the chance to adopt one. And what that means is you're going to take a kid and you're going to say, that's my kid. Okay. I'm going to take one. I'm going to say, that's my kid. You can't have that one. That's my kid. Um, and our family is going to adopt a child. It's about 30 bucks a month to adopt a child. What that does is gives them education, gives them spiritual training and nourishment throughout the week, all through that church that you're building. So everything filters through Pastor Mendoza and the infrastructure that he's put there and the infrastructure that's going to have uh, a giant impact in that community. And then within a year, we're going to begin setting up some short-term mission trips where you'll get the chance to go down and maybe meet your kid that you're sponsoring. And we're going to partner with Pastor Mendoza in planting this church and have an impact with them hopefully over the next five, ten years as we are able to, as Element City Church, now have a, a global reach and an impact in a part of the world that desperately needs some assistance. And so that's what we get to do this Christmas. And so as you give here, we're setting aside money that's going to be given to that project. It takes about $80,000 to build that building and to build the infrastructure to support the support for those 200 kids and those 200 families. Make sense? So Compassion International is a great organization that we're really looking forward to partnering with and partnering with Stadia to have that impact. All of that being this, it's just Element City Church trying to be a light. 
at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do. We want to we want to love God and we want to love people and we want to show how we love God and love people through our good deeds that points to our great God that we follow. Does that make sense? And so this is a passion that we have here to shine in such a way. And so I want to encourage you on an individual basis. So collectively as a community, we get to do this. And this is kind of the expression that it has locally and soon globally. That's the expression we get to have. But at the same time, individually, you and I get the opportunity. We talk a lot um, sometimes about doing for one what you wish you could do for everyone. And that, that's a, a phrase that we kind of kick around here quite a bit. It's something that Amy and I have lived by for a long time. That I've just we can't fix every problem there is. There's just no way. You don't, we don't have the resources to do that. But I can help with the one that's right in front of me. And you have the opportunity in the places that you work, in the places that you go to school, in the places that you invest your time to see needs and to shine in such a way to shine light and to be there. And to be light in dark place. To be a light in a world that's addicted to darkness. You get to shine. And that's what Jesus said so long ago. And that's what he says today. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine. Listen, your Christian faith can be personal. It's meant to be personal. But it's never meant to be private. Your Christian faith should be very personal to you. But it's never meant to be private, where no one else sees. Because that's not the point of a light, is it? The point of a light is to shine in such a way that other people can see and other people take notice. And Jesus said, let your good deeds shine in such a way that it points to your great God. That people begin to see that it comes from something else. So maybe here's a couple questions I'd love for you to wrestle with this week. And I want to give you one practical takeaway that I'd love to see all of us make, take strides and steps in. Here's the two questions. One is this. Um, as you seek to be a light, we are you know, kind of each shine individually. When you think about shining in the world, we are all reflecting something. Every single one of us, whether you're a Christian or not, you're reflecting something. So here's the simple question. What is your life reflecting right now? If you were to take an introspective look where you are, not your neighbor, not the person next to you, not the person three rows behind you, just you. Where, where are you? What are you shining and reflecting right now in life? Maybe the more important question is, who? Who are you reflecting right now in your life? Is it all about you? Is it all about your career? Is it all about what matters most to you? Is it all about um, the things that matter to you, what you like and what you prefer? Is it about your comfort? Who are you reflecting to the world around you right now? What would your kids say is what you're reflecting or who you're reflecting? If someone else who's close to you were to look at your life, what would they tell you that your life is actually reflecting? Those are great questions to wrestle with certain times. And I think maybe the more practical, tangible handle thing I can give us this week is simply this. Begin to look at the people God has you with as an opportunity to be light. Look at the people that God has surrounded you with as an opportunity for you to shine and to be light and to practice presence. Here's what I mean by that. Um... 
I don't know if you've ever adopted this. Uh, I try. Uh, I'm not perfect at it. But I try when I get coffee. I love coffee. Um, I love foo-foo coffee, let's just be honest. So, so when I love coffee, what I love about it is I try to go back to the one or two places at about the same time every day or every other day when I'm there. And here's why. I want to get to know the people that are there. I'm a pastor. It's really easy for me to live in a Christian bubble, surrounded by people who believe the same way that I believe, okay? So I strategically try to go to restaurants or go to um, coffee shops or to go to places to study that uh, I get to know the people that are there. I want to know their stories. And here's what I know about me. I know really easy, it's easy for me to be physically in a place, but not present there. Anyone ever struggle with this? Where you can be physically somewhere, but you are not fully present there. Make sense? And what I've been trying to work on for myself, whether it's pace of life or just how many things, how full life is, I know that there's a million things that are always going on. I am trying to practice better presence. Here's what that looks like in a tangible, practical way with the people that I'm trying to invest in. I Usually when I go to a grocery store, I try to go through the same line with the same teller. Why? Because I'm trying to get to know people, okay? I'm trying to be light, and I have to know people to be light. And so what I do is I'll walk through, and I focus on four things. One is eye contact. I try to look people in the eye. If you want to practice presence and actually be there in the moment, look people in the eye. Okay? Smile a little bit. That helps. Okay? So they know you're not a grumpy Christian. We don't want to be that. Um, tip well when you're out. Okay? That's an important thing to side note. Um, learn their name. Names have value to them. Try your best to learn people's names. Look them in the eye. Learn their name. Ask good questions. Just ask good questions. Questions that are not yes, no. Just ask questions about things. Ask them about what's going on in life. And then, here's the fourth one, most important one. You ready? Shut up and listen. It's really important. Because often, I find this tendency myself. I'll ask questions, and I'm thinking about my response to what they're beginning to talk about, right? You ever found yourself there? Here's how you practice presence. You just look people in the eye. You get to know their name. You ask good questions, and then you listen. And then occasionally, you'll be given the opportunity to speak into their life. Occasionally, you'll have the opportunity to speak and to be light into their life. So here's my encouragement to you as you go through the rest of this Christmas season is realizing not only has God proclaimed that he wants to be a God who's with you, that he is a God who is for you. You don't have to do things for him. He already took care of that. He's got you. But he's a God that actually wants to partner and work through you, works through us as a church, and wants to work through you individually, that you would shine. What does Jesus say? You are the light of the world. You shine. You shine through your good deeds in a way that points people to your great God that you follow. And so here's my encouragement to you this week, is just begin wrestling with and figuring out what does that look like for you. And I want to kind of pray 
for us, and then we'll move into a time of communion. But I want to pray with us, and I'm going to ask you to kind of pray with me on this. You don't have to pray out loud, but just in your heart. I'd love for you to pray with me that God would stir us as individuals and God would stir us as a community to be a church that shines his light in his world, in a world that's addicted to darkness, that we would be people of light in the way that we treat, in the way we react, in the way we interact with the people around us. So would you just kind of pray with me? Father, thank you that um, darkness never scares you. You're never thrown off by it. That you are able to search through it. Thank you that you came looking for me, that you came looking for us. You didn't just move along, you actually moved into the world. You are a God who's with us. You are Emmanuel. You spoke light into being. And you gave us your son Jesus, who is the light of the world, the hope of the world. And Jesus, you commissioned us as your followers to expand your light in this world through your church, to be this ever-expanding light in a dark place. Father, we want to be a church that shines brightly. So would you let us be a people that prays and that gives and that serves and that loves like never before so that we chase away darkness in our city and in your world. Father, we want to be used by you. We want to be useful for you. So, would you work your will through us in practical ways this week? You give each one of us little assignments where we're supposed to shine, and we'd step into that. Would you continue to give us as a church big assignments where we're meant to shine and to be your light? We thank you for wanting to work through us, and we trust you with all of who we are, the best we know how, that you begin continuing to guide us through this Christmas and that you let us work through the good deeds we're able to do to point people to our great God that we follow. We pray that in Jesus' precious name. Amen. We're to be light. Jesus is the light of the world. The Gospel of John talks about that. We remember in communion as we Get ready to partake of that. You're welcome to participate in that if you want. We've got communion tables, two in the back here in the middle aisle and two down front. Uh, and as we remember Jesus coming and his life and his death, most importantly, his resurrection, to say that you and I are welcomed into life with God through faith in him. As we remember, it was his body that was broken, his blood that was shed for us that we might be made right with God. And now we may be brought into partnership with God, that God might shine through us in this world. So as we remember that through communion, then we'll have a couple of worship songs. I just encourage you to lean into that and to be prayerful in these next few moments of how God wants to use your life to shine through you.